Good afternoon. Welcome to Just and Polite Podcast. Um, my name is Jennifer Parker. I'm joined today with a special friend, um, and his name is John Klossner. He um, lives right here in Southborough, Maine. That's how I originally met him. But he is a cartoonist whose work has appeared in national magazines and syndication syndications. No, yeah, that doesn't sound right. But um, oh, you'll it doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> but like, um, I think most people know that his work has appeared in the New Yorker. That's his claim to fame in town. Yeah. But John, welcome. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for we, the we long drive over. <laughs> We've been trying this for weeks, and and one or the other of us always had something pop up. So. Well, for weeks, but I think even since last summer, I've been trying to get you to come on the podcast. Right. Um, right. You, I first met you um, probably over a decade ago. Um, you had a little some, not a little something. Um, the little was, hat company. The little hat company. Yeah. yeah you were. You were the entrepreneur of the town. Oh, yeah. that's Well, you know what? That's perfect feed into why I wanted to have you join us today. Um, Southborough is kind of known for having larger-than-life personalities, talents, profiles in this little quiet, sleepy town of 7,000. I think it might be 8,000 now. Have we grown? I think so, the last election. Oh, that's crazy. That was Harry. Harry's joined us. Um, he had a big sigh at that. I wondered about that. that <laughs> the great. town's growing. Do you have something to say about that, Harry? Um, so one of the things I moved here, I think I was in my 20s, mm. so I'm nearing 30 years. Okay. Um, but just from the moment I got here, it just felt like people doing extraordinary things that not everybody gets a chance to do end up living in this little town. That's the thing that gets me about Maine in general. Um, I'm not a Mainer originally. I've only been here 20 years, I think. And, you know, it's a DIY state. You know? It is a DIY. Everybody's got, like, multiple job titles and, and creativities and, you know, you amongst them. Uh, so. Well, thank you for that. But I, you know, it's funny having this store that I have now and, you know, having all of the local artists and authors and a lot of the fun for me is telling the backstory when mm. people come into the shop. And um, I actually use your your story a lot, John. Which, <laughs> which part of it? <laughs> well, because, you know, the point of the podcast today I was thinking is, um, just to let you all know, is, you know, certain people are able to do what they love for a living. And I think a lot of other people kind of rack their brains and like, oh, man, like, why am I stuck in the nine to five or the nine to mm. seven even, eight to seven? and doing something I dread, I feel like you are, but actually we just said it, you and your wife, Amy, both are working in your fields of passion remotely and seem to have found a way to take that leap of faith. It's something, I mean, we moved up here from the Boston area, but Amy had been up here before um, and she's a writer uh, and does a little bit of everything, does public relations, does stories, does interviews. Um, I was always, uh, from the time I got out of college, I'm originally from upstate New York, and I was just knocking on doors trying to sell cartoons. Um, and then I moved to Boston and worked for a variety of publications there. Um, so I, I, my 
as far as my work life was already established before I got up here. But so did you know that you were always going to be a cartoonist? Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. what age do you think? Uh, from my earliest uh, memory of, of what do you want to be when you grow up. Really? Um, I mean, I knew I wanted to draw. I like to draw. It's, you know, it's fun. Um, and that's what I always did. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've talked to a couple of friends about this. I've never gone through that period in my life where, hmm, I don't know what I want to do. I've got to figure out something to do. Everything school-wise and, and, uh, and work-wise was always with that goal in mind. So you always saw the forest. You always kind of had the shape of what your life would look like. Yeah. As an adult, you would be a cartoonist. Yeah, um, that's that was always the goal. Um, what I'm finding now, um, as technologies change, and, you know, I still have a 1980s mentality about my work, in which there were still newspapers and still magazines, you know, I mean, there still are newspapers and magazines, but but um, they're diminishing in their importance in the culture and everything's going digital. Um, so you've got, uh, how do I put it? I might have to back up on this, but but it's a, it's a different world right now than the one that I started working in. So when um, you're sitting at home on the hill, because that's how I describe you to customers. Nice. Yeah, he lives up on the hill. Because you you live eye shot from the store. Yes, I, I love I watch that. your store every day from my studio. I Seriously, there, you yeah, can see I it. Can see your store from the studio. That's so funny because yeah. usually people will come in and I'll be talking about the town and they'll want to know about the shop. And I said, you know what? It's just local people doing what they love, and I always lead with John up on the hill <laughs> creating cartoons, and I always usually say the New Yorker. But so when you're sitting there, do you have a draft board? Oh, yeah. I, I have a studio in my attic on the third floor. Um, it's on the window that overlooks the downtown. <laughs> um, and, and it's, you know, uh, there's a lot of time spent staring out the window. Well, I want to know how many ideas for cartoons came from, <laughs> from your window view. Um, maybe many. I, I don't associate, you know, I don't keep track of where the cartoons originated. Um, I'm just always uh, filling up sketchbooks and, you know, either words or pictures. So there's so many places we could go from here. So we could talk about, you know, are you submitting hand-drawn cartoons or do you have to do them on an iPad or transfer them, scan them? We can talk about um, as a kid, were you constantly doodling in class when you should have been yeah, taking notes? I, had, I had notebooks taken from me by teachers, um, you know, which I've found that I concentrate better when my hand's moving. I don't know if you have that same experience. I, I've, I've talked to other creative people who had that same same happening where if I'm sitting here just paying, you know, trying to pay attention, I don't pay as attention as well. Whereas if I'm drawing or doing something on the side, I tend to take in more. Really? Um, so yeah. you're not you're not drawing, you're just moving your hands. Well, not, I mean, I'm moving my hand with a pencil and then on paper, yes. I, I, this is one I wish we did have a camera because I feel like um, Dave, my co-host, and you now, you guys talk, you talk so much with your, your hands and your your facial expressions. Yeah. I feel like everybody's missing out <laughs> to see that. Um, you can imagine them. They have, you have a very imaginative listening audience. And they're, they're really smart. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. And then, um, so you've also, so you've done cartoons mm-hmm. and are they mostly weekly, monthly? How does that work? Depends Daily? On, it just depends on the market. Um, 
you know, I've done everything from a daily comic strip to uh, weekly cartoons for um, magazines that I worked with back in the 90s to uh you know new yorker which is they just run them as as they feel see fit so maybe i'll i'll get somewhere like around five a year maybe in the new yorker that's pretty impressive and then how long ago was it that you created the um now i'm embarrassed because i can't remember the the name of the book and we've sold We've sold hundreds you of copies. You were the highest on selling location for that book. Um, are we really? Yeah. Are you oh, just saying that? By far. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to hear horror stories, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you... The, the publisher we worked with, when we chose them, um, this is myself and, and three friends who are all Maine-based cartoonists. And we came up with an idea for a book of, of Maine cartoons, main theme cartoons, which basically is mooses and blueberries. But that's a different story. And what's it called? In lobsters, it's heavy. Oh, lobsters, it's heavy right. on lobsters. Lobster, um, oh, lobster oh, therapy. Lobster therapy and moose pickup lines. That's, yes, yeah, it's one of those orders. So we went. We shot. We shot their own to various publishers in the state of Maine, and one of the larger names was really excited about it and said, "We're going to, you know, we're going to publish this book," which they did. Did a really nice job. I think the book looks really, really good, and it's a nice collection of cartoons. And um, excuse me. It's a fun, um, fun coffee table book. I always, yeah. when growing up, my parents always had funny things in the bathroom too. So it's like, not that's book. not an insult. It's no, a great I, bathroom. You book. have to accept it. It's a good bathroom book. It's yeah, obviously. But like it, you can just see it. Like we have so many cottages and cabins surrounding us in this area mm-hmm. that people come in shopping for them. Yeah. And a lot of times it will get picked up for that, or if people move away from the area. That's the one I hear from all the time, where people contact me saying, "Oh, I sent this to my father, who's retired now, but he loved it." You know that that sort of thing. You know, he was he was a Mainer and he moved away. Um, so yeah, I hear that one a lot too. You know what I love? Yeah, I love and relatives. Yeah, <laughs> I love that you. When I pick it up and I thumb through it, showing people that each of you have your own distinct yeah, yeah. Uh, flair or. What's the style. word? Style. style. Thank you. Yeah. I lose no, my vocabulary, like <laughs> drops out. But, um, and you, you know, you get so that, oh, this is John's and I'll, you know, thumb through a few mm-hmm. pages. This is John's. This is John's. And I think too, for me, not that the other cartoons aren't funny mm-hmm. or aren't as good as yours, but I think once you make that personal connection with someone, sure. there's like a, sure. there's like a homeboy pride, like local, like this is my friend. Yeah. Like I know this person and it's, um, you almost hear their voice in it. Um, yeah. Know, yeah. Or you, no, you know, know you can see because you know, you and I, um, we don't do anything socially together. Like <laughs> you're busy. No, I'm not busy anymore, but like we've over the years, either in um, Little Hat Company a little bit, um, but yeah. more so a little something. It's Definitely. like, seems like when you come in, we both have that um, snarky side to our personalities or we're both, I think, curious yeah. about unusual Definitely. things. Sure. And we get into kind of these um, these rabbit hole conversations that... That's a really good way to describe it. <laughs> right? And then like we like we're like, oh my God, right? Like, and... Um, but I think having that relationship with you as um, more than an associate, more as a friend, but, uh, and then just having your work in the store. And then you also have this um, 
quite expansive line of greeting cards. <laughs> You're the only place that carries my greeting cards. <laughs> I, I love them. And oh, it's like, you. I think um, that's what I appreciate um, in being at the store is just people doing what they love. And you can see that there's a passion, there's a purpose, there's, you know, I care about mm. this. The stuff in your store definitely reflects that too. Um, I also like the feeling of, you know, in these modern times, uh, you know, there, I would love it if we had a general store in town, you know, that you could right? go hang out on the porch on a rocking chair or something. With you a know, pot or, belly stove. Yeah, exactly. In the and winter. You're, you're as close as we have right now. People um, call us that sometimes. You're the general store. And I know you can walk in there and, and find a conversation. Anytime. There's something so, going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there, um, right before we started the podcast, you and I were talking. Well, because I, you know, that's scary. One of the things that, and having you on the show today is that, you know, being a cartoonist is not something that society will say, yeah, go be a cartoonist. You're going to have a a great life. You're going to be able to pay your bills, send your kids to college. You know, it's, it's a sure thing. Well, it, it's funny. I teach um, at an art school in Manchester, New Hampshire. And this morning we were actually talking about that is that you, and you're basically telling somebody who's a, um, uh, who's an art student, a uh, college student that you are going to become a small business person with a, with a company of one. You know, you've got to market yourself. You've got to do all the billing yourself. You've got to, you know, this is so much more than just um, than doing drawings. You know, um, and it's it can be lonely um, at times. No, you're you're like you're embracing the solitude. <laughs> well, I, I enjoy the, the. I like getting into rhythms as far as that goes. Like if I'm working all morning, you know, if I work for uh, four or five hours, three or four hours in the morning, and then I can go for a walk or I can you know see someone in the afternoon. That, that works pretty well. And if I'm working on a project, then I'm going to be busier for a more intense period of time. You know, if I'm if I'm doing stuff for a book or something like that, you know, I'll be out of commission for, for a few weeks at least. Um, so it just, it, it has its own rhythms. There's no, there's no set, um, set to it. I think it's funny, like, and I probably shouldn't share this, but sometimes, you know, the store is not busy or whatever, and I'm sitting down at my computer You'll go walking by down the hill and towards Main Street because we're on a side street. Right. And then, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes later, you'll come walking back and you've got your brown bag of groceries sure. and you're heading back sure. up the hill. Yeah. Like, that's a small town living. That well, when we, there goes John. <laughs> He's taking a break. I grew up in a really small town in upstate New York, literally a, a four corners in the road. Um, and like my friends were all at least a couple miles away. So, you know, and I hated it when I was a kid, I was just like, you know, to go see my friends, I had to get on my bike, ride for a couple miles or, I, you know, just was really remote. And Amy grew up in midtown Manhattan. I was going to say she was a city girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we were looking up here, I said, look, I cannot be out in the countryside. You know, I can't do that to my kids. I need to be someplace I can at least walk. Or we had a running joke where I said, I have to have access to an Indian food restaurant. Yeah, do you have that? We Dover. Have to... Dover's got to go. Dover yeah, and Tulsi and Kittery. Tulsi, right. Yeah, there's Tulsi. some good Indian food restaurants around. Yeah. So um, so this was our compromise when we found this the house because, you know, it had a nice downtown. Um, 
I don't know. Was the downtown thriving back then? Well, the downtown, when we moved here, had Flynn's Restaurant. Yeah. Which was, you know, they were moving. Hardware. And hardware store. And it had Flynn's Market, too, which was like a, I guess that used to be a very popular place, but it was in its last years when we moved, when we got here. Excuse me. Was the Flynn's Market was kind of where the Chinese restaurant is now? No, or was that the restaurant? On, yeah, the restaurant was Flynn's Restaurant. Um, or the Chinese restaurant yeah. is now. That, that, that whole building was Flynn's. Yeah. Um, now it's Chinese restaurant and the chiropractor. Um, and then um, Flynn's the- Market was, okay, well, Rideouts, the hardware store, was where Nature's Way is now. Yeah. And then right next to that where um, the restaurant is. Um, the restaurant's Pepperland and Green. Pepperland and Green. Uh, that was uh, a... a Flynn's Market. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I don't remember that. I remember the video store. Oh, right. In Jazzy Boxing. (laughs) Or wait, were those? Video store. (laughs) Do you remember? It was so dusty and there was a guy in the back. And I apologize if so. But there was a guy in the back and he would just watch TV. Or was it a woman? No, it was a guy. It was a guy. I used to go in there a lot. I went in there a lot. That that dates yourself when you say there was a video store in town, doesn't it? Right. And And then, then... also, the frame shop. Oh, the gosh. Shop Come on. That like, was there forever. That there just forever. left. They were good, too. They were a really good frame shop. Yeah, I um, did. I got a, uh, some local art. Remember, um, so we're talking about artists doing what you love. Remember Bill Foger rolled into town? Sure, sure. So he yeah. was. He looked like Santa Claus. Yeah, and he was sitting on the sidewalk all the time painting. Plein air. Yeah. He had his yeah. easels out there, but yeah. I met him through the Counting House Museum. Oh, really? He had connected to them and did like an art exhibit or show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, After wow. I think he built up his um, portfolio of mm-hmm. South Berwick paintings. So he wasn't a local person? No. So I got the story from him. What he would do is he would travel like he was in Newburyport for a while. So he would go to picturesque places and then create images and then sell his art and he'd get a little studio apartment because he lived up um over well what what was what is in green now those apartments he lived up over there or by civil consultants yeah and um Oh, yeah, actually, I have one of his prints in the dining room. Yeah, I think we have one also of, of like, his view down the street that had the, had Sobo books sign it or something like that. So, Amy, so your wife, Amy, she's a writer. Mm -hmm. She, um, she's, I always, I'm a writer, but I always thought of Amy as, like, a professional writer, like, more into reporting and journalism and just has, you know. And does a lot of PR stuff. Yeah. A lot of professionalism in her writing. and um, But she owned, when I had my other business, Amy had Sobo Book and Bean right, right. across the street. And that's that's, right. that's where I think I got to meet you, yeah, both of you guys. Right. Oh, there's Harry. Company. It's not a podcast unless unless that happens right, once. That always happens? That always oh, happens. Great. They know the dogs. Oh, wow. so, so, how, so if someone's out there not loving what they do, mm-hmm. What what's the best advice? I don't know because well, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll make up something, but because um, I'm always worried. I mean, I just started knocking on doors, you know, when I was I sold cartoons when I was in high school. So, so did you have other jobs? Did you work like yeah, at a fast I, I, food? Oh, name a job! I've I've done it over the years. Was it to supplement your income? 
Oh yeah, to make a living. I mean, when when you first start out in an art-oriented um, job, you you know it's very rare that you make any money at it. You know, you have to either do volunteer gigs or or you know real low-paying startup jobs. I was doing stuff for a small newspaper in upstate New York. I was doing editorial cartoons for like five dollars a cartoon. Oh you my know, goodness! So, I mean, it's just it's a building um, format. You know, you just kind of you know you sell to somebody. If somebody else likes it, you, you know, you sell to them. Um, You're learning your trade. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody to answer your question, you better really like what you want to do. <laughs> you got to fight um, for it. Yeah, and and don't you know, and then just go and, and put it in places. You know, knock on doors or put it in places that you think it'll work. Um, do your homework on Dave and I were talking about this last week. We got into um, small businesses. He has a yoga studio as a part-time Well, mm-hmm. it's full-time, but he, it's not his income. Yeah. I have the store now and it's like, yeah, it's great to work for yourself, but it's not always glamorous. Like, Right. You, when you've been fortunate that you've carried a, a, a following from little hat company and stuff. So you've got a lot of people who've always known about you and, and, you know, but, you know, I imagine, I don't know Dave's personal story, but when you start a yoga studio, how do you get the first person in the door? Yeah. You know? Right. And, well, he, he purchased it. York, uh, yoga. Oh gosh. Well, it already existed. Yoga. It's yoga on York. Right. Oh, okay. I think is the name of it. So uh-huh. he purchased it from the, um, the couple that started the studio. So they had a following. So they had a following, right. but he right. wasn't from this area. Hmm. He was born in Canada, then moved to Massachusetts as a child mm-hmm. and then moved to, I think he said moved to South Burke right before I started a little something. Mm. And then, um, so yeah, it's, it's a risk, right? Yeah. Like right. even when you're taking over a business that's already established. Yeah. I mean, our restaurants like the biggest turnover as far as businesses go. Everybody's uh, yeah. had a great idea for a restaurant, but how do you, Restaurants are a lot of work. They're a lot of work. (laughs) They're a lot, even book and bean, right? Like just anything that involves um, a product that can spoil if you don't (laughs) sell it. Like it's, it's a lot. So one of the things um, we joke about too in South Berwick is um, there's this neat woman that she does graphics work and um, good girl graphics. She's always said that there's um, something in the water or there's, there's just something that draws like a magnet people to our town. We seem to have a lot of creatives here. You know? A lot of kooky well, personalities or well, like. Well, not necessarily kooky, but. I'm going to say I'm kooky. I think I'm pretty close too. So. I, yeah. Um, but there's, um, I used to joke when I moved here that you couldn't spit without hitting a musician in this town. You know? No, we have there's even. musicians all over the place. There's writers all over the place. There's painters. painters poets. Poets, yeah. Which is interesting because if you, based on, I mean, I've only been here, you know, 20 something years. But I'm under the impression that South Burke was like the cheap place for artists to live. Like back when Port when Portsmouth was starting to get ex- expensive, that the artists were and the creative types were moving to South Burke because it was cheap real estate here, um, which is changing. But um, even yeah, that's changed. Even Rollinsford, right, where Rollinsford, the mill buildings, right, right. Um, those were all converted into artist studios. Right. right. And now um, we've become a suburb of Boston. Portland, even Ooh, I would argue really? New York City. Yes, suburb of Boston. Yeah. People, there are so many people living in or South Burke or commuting to I Boston know. because yeah. they can't afford, yeah. or not, or they choose not to right. 
Right. They, we'll live close to the city. They want to take advantage of everything this area offers too. I mean, it's, you know, my, my daughter is living in Boston right now. She's working. She's been out of college for four years and she gets up here every chance she can because she wants to be outside. She wants to go skiing. She wants to go surfing. You know, it's just, it offers all the things that she wants to do. I so. think, you know, when people come into, well, so talk about um, attracting um, unique talents. Um, in the store, this guy had said that he just moved here a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and, um, he designed the latest Mountain Dew campaign. <laughs> wow. And I'm wow. like, I feel like that's a big deal. Do you feel when you say that all, you know, people from all these areas are moving up here, does that seem to be related to the pandemic when people found that they could work out of home that they, you know, this is an area. They moved I think to? that was, I think that was fuel to it. I think yeah. it had already started then because um, just having conversations. I remember um, being in Rotary with Brian. I can't think of his last name, but he worked for the down Easter, mm-hmm. the train that yeah. runs from, is it Portland to well, into Boston? To it does go. In, yeah. yeah. So a lot, he said there are a lot of people commuting from this area down into the city. Mm. And um, that's right. The train, right. That, yeah. And I think that a lot of it has to do is, you know, an hour you're in Boston, less than an hour and you're in yeah. Portland. I mean, I drive into New York city for the day. It's a little extreme, but you can do it. You do it frequently. You yeah. can go skiing within an hour on a few mountains or little Hills. We have the ocean, we have lakes, yeah. we have, we have everything. Yeah. And (laughs) no, I know like the property values, you can't, even at this point, you know, how many times do we hear or people will message me and say, Hey, if someone has an apartment, Mm. will you let me know first? Or, you Mm. know, if anyone that is thinking to sell, because I think we've hit that critical mass that people have found out about us. How many times have we been in, um, Yankee magazine is one of the top towns Mm. to live in. And it's always funny because they run pictures from like two years ago. You know, you ever notice that? <laughs> well, yeah, they're dated, like yeah. they're not current. Yeah, yeah. You think they're flipping through old files and say, hey, let's run this story again. I think, well, I, I think that they plan, they're, they're, you know, not to down, not to put down a down east. Is it down east or Yankees? So? I think it's been both. Yeah, I think down east runs a Southbrook story like every two years. Yeah. Um, but I think that they plan their stories like a year in advance so then they get the photos. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you disproving your own. Yeah. You're yeah. like, mm, that wasn't so nice. <laughs> no, well, you know, and how much has our, like people, it's a small town. So you get people that say, oh, our town has changed so much. Mm. And then, yeah. I don't know, I feel like it cycles. Did you grow up in a small town? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Spofford, New Hampshire. Where so um, it's a, it's a village and it's a lake village community. It sits in between Keene. New Hampshire, and then Brattleboro, Vermont. Oh, wow. It's a blip. Okay. It's probably, I think when I was there, it was, um, well, of course, it had a summer population for the lake, but I think uh, year-round was like 3,000. Did it have, um, because I grew up in a blip town, too, um, and there was, you know, there was a big thing between the people who had been there several generations and the people who just moved in, you know, and, yeah. and I don't, uh, I, what do you call that town, town something? Politics? Yeah. No. 
I mean, and here, Salzburg, I don't feel that so much. I, don't, I mean, there's people. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you feel, you, I think because you're up in the hill on the third oh, okay. floor in your attic. <laughs> all right, all right. And you're a pretty quiet guy. Are, yeah. I don't run into a lot of people going, no, this isn't the way things used to you be didn't, You didn't um, run for office either. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> the, the political angle. You had to meet everybody. <laughs> when you're knocking doors. One time someone said, are you packing? And I was like, packing what? And they go, you better be carrying something if you're walking to my door. And I was just like, I'm so naive, John. Like I traveled so much and I've met people, but like at heart, I'm so naive. <laughs> what? Oh, are you packing? I wasn't packing. And then it, it didn't even occur to me to be a, alarmed that he was asking yeah. me if I was packing until I made it back to the car. Like, <laughs> but I think, you know, and yes, in the community I grew up in, there were the families that you knew yeah. had settled yeah. the towns from the pioneer days or yeah. just multi-generational families. And um, it's kind of like um, one of the families here that comes to mind really quick is um, the Goodwin family. Because mm-hmm. even if you go into ancestry or history yeah. of a town, like the Goodwin family just has yep. been here, or the Lord family. Yeah. Right. Um, right. The Lord settled the first homestead. The only reason I know this because it was on Witch Trot Road, mm-hmm. the road that my farm was on. Yeah. And they settled um, Mount Misery in the 1600s on Witch Trot Road. And what then. Is, what is Mount Misery? Was it, that was the yeah, name of their Berwick? homestead in South oh, Berwick. Okay. Okay. I think it was, you know, That's there like, were Indians back then. Yeah. I think it was like, it was hard pioneer living. Oh, I, I thought I missed a geographical feature that was in town. <laughs> no, well, if you ever want to go on an interesting walk, um, if you go Witch Trot Road, if you go past where I lived, and I think it's two homes on the left on this huge rock, there's actually a bronze plaque that says Mount Misery. And it gives the, it gives the brief description of wow. Nathaniel Lord settling wow. in South Berwick. The plaque was for that. Uh, I shouldn't have. I think it was in, in the eighties. Nineteen eighties or eighteen eighties? No, nineteen oh, eighties. Okay. Oh, okay. um, huh. But I think, and as far as you know, there there's always since I've been here, I feel like there's cycles, right? Sure. I feel yeah. like Main Street fills up. Yeah. And then it empties, yeah. and then it fills up, and then it empties. That's a good way to put it. And then I feel like there's a big call for a traffic light, and then mm. it goes away, yeah. and then it comes <laughs> back. And although we're getting our first traffic light, did you know that? And where's it going to be? At the end of um, 91 on 236. Oh, yeah. yeah, they've been playing that for a while. Yeah. I guess that's one of the leading accident uh, sites in the state. Um, oh, in the whole state? Yeah, one of the, pol- I was, one of the police when I was speaking was, was mentioning that at one time. That that's a leading, you know, one of the leading statistically accident uh, prone locations in the state. So that's why they're getting a light there. I mean, yeah. if you go by there in the morning when school's getting in and stuff. You know, oh, yeah. We used to have far. to come out and go left to the high school yeah. in the morning. And yeah. it was always backed up and yeah. just crazy. But so we're getting into the history of South Berwick. You brought up, <laughs> when you first came over, you brought up Sarah Orange Hewitt. Yeah. Um, I've been... I was on a binge a couple weeks ago. I watched all of Robert Eggers' movies. Robert Eggers is from Exeter, Exeter, New Hampshire. And he did these three movies. One's called The Witch, one's called The Lighthouse, and one's called The Northman. 
And he, being from this area, he refers to all these people in this region. And, and one of them, uh, the witch, um, he, at the end was, this is based on the writings of Sarah Orne Jewett. You know, that was, a lot of research was done based on the writings of Sarah Orne Jewett. And, and it's funny, I've never read any of her stuff. We've got some of her books in our place, but she was a, a really renowned writer at her, of that time. And I feel like, oh gosh, they should make it you know, required in the schools or something. You know? So this leads perfectly, this is what happens to us in the store. <laughs> we like start yeah, talking. Right, right, right. So I read um, Deep Haven. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So Sarah Owen Jewett, she has, um, so the Hamilton house was a summer home. It's at um, right next to Vaughn Woods. Oh, yeah. Sure. So she would spend time there with her friend. But then the two she, women from Boston? Yes. Okay. okay. So then also she had the homes in town just around the corner from us now. Right. One right. used to be our library and one's a museum now, right? Yes. Yeah. She, so the first dirt. I found out about Sarah Orne Jewett is so she, she made her living following her passion, writing about the townspeople and just breathing life into their personalities and their day-to-day happenings and just um, creating these really rich stories. Like Mm -hmm. I did, I did enjoy reading Deep Haven, but I found out she was a boss, a Boston lady. Do you know what that is? Really? Yeah. Yeah, How do you know what that is? Boston, a Boston aunt. Yes. Yeah. Um, I came across it somewhere. Um, you know, it's kind of like an Irish uncle, I think, is the same. Is, is I've the never same heard those concepts. But yeah. so she was ahead of her times, yes. right? Like yeah. writing as a woman in, oh gosh, so early 1800s. Yeah. 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 And then um, living unwed. Yeah. And traveling to Boston and just, you know, living her passion. Yeah. Right. Good point. So I kind of came across her because um, another larger-than-life personality in our town, Wendy Persig. (laughs) She is missed. She's very (laughs) missed. She's down south, right? I don't know where where, where she went. With her daughter. daughter Yeah. She was one of the first people I met. Um, She kind of pulled me under her wing at um, Strawberry Hulling for the Strawberry Festival. But anyway, she gave me, she quietly came into the store one day and she passed on this, it was this little square and it was wrapped up in this protective paper and then it was in a Ziploc bag and I'm looking at her and she goes into this diatribe about like this being passed, passed from woman to woman in town. Really? Yes. And I'm looking at her like, well, I was like, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Like what? And, um. And it was because Wendy, Wendy was a magic, she's still alive. Wendy's a magical person and she's a force and she's strong and she kind and generous of spirit, but she was behind a lot of fundraising, a lot of community events in town, would you say? Oh yeah. Well, she was um, very involved with the historical society, right? Yeah. That's what she uh, initially brought me into. But just like, I was always a little bit, I was a lot younger and I was, um, she made me nervous. Like I was even a little, uh, what's the word? Um, not shy or insecure, but like, she just seemed well, like. Well, she was very direct. Wendy was very direct and, and was efficient too in her, in her, like she'd say, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, she would give you direction, which was, you know, you were hugely um, complimented by her addressing you. You know, that I always felt that way. In, and, but, yeah. But she right? wasn't going to do small talk. 
No, there was, that's what it was. It was never small talk. And not that I love small talk, but like she was on a mission. She had an agenda and she was going to complete it. Like she wrote that history book about South Berwick. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so she gives me this little package and I start opening it up. It's a first edition Sarah Orne Jewett book. And I was like, I have the shivers. Yeah, no, I still have it. I'll go get it and show you later. Who are you going to give it to? Who are you going to pass it along? Right? Like, so, (laughs) and I'm looking through the list and I'm, it's dawning on me now as I've lost. Who's had it? It's a list of who it's traveled from. Who's the first one? Oh my gosh. I feel like I want to go grab it. But like, um, do you think you would know them? I'm willing to give it a whirl. I can't pause this. No, don't worry. Don't, I mean, we'll, we'll <laughs> but I'll show you. Yeah. And then I was thinking the other day that I almost at this point need to find out who these women are. Uh-huh. I know there was one woman that was a huge mover and shaker that lived on Vine Street. Okay. In that okay. big, huge house by the river, oh, Lee yeah. Mills Pond. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Um, the yellow one? It's yellow one? I think so. Yeah. And I think it uh, recently got made into a bed and breakfast, that one. Oh, really? Oh, Am I, I think wasn't other... aware of that, but um, it's very possible. But anyways, uh, right? So you're so now, like, I feel this pressure that who who do I hand it down oh, to? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, what do... And based on what? <laughs> based on what? Like, why did she give it to me? Like, I don't, like... Well, it's... She did her homework. Oh, gosh. And but you, you will do your homework. Now I feel like this pressure to become a writer like Sarah into <laughs> into like catalog the people of South Berwick. Well, you are a writer for starters. That's why so, I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, you're yeah. like you're number one in South Berwick. I'm going to start like bringing on all the movers and shakers okay. from South Berwick, <laughs> and it will be like a the creative folk. It'll be yeah. It'll be like a um, a vocal, uh, what's audible history. Oh, yeah, an oral history. Oral history. Yeah. Why, see, yeah. my vocabulary just, like, goes out the I'm window. I'm glad to see somebody else doing it because I go through it all day long. Oh. I can't, you know, ask me a question and I'll trip over the words. Well, so we were saying before we started the podcast that people that have been drawn to South Berwick, Wendy's husband was an incredible author, and people still talk about him coming into the store today. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote one of the iconic books of American literature. <laughs> Can you say it? Because I always, oh, okay. I always mess up Zen the title. The Art of Motorcycle Maintenance was his book. Did you ever read that? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't no, read I haven't. it. I no. feel like we should, though. I, yeah, it's, that's it. We'll come up with the required reading for South Berwick. Right? Yeah. Like, there. include all the people who <laughs> carry all those books? The older. I don't have the Zen. What is okay. it called? The Zen, Zen, Zen the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, do you carry any Sarah Orne Jewett? You carry some Sarah Orne Jewett. I do have no. I do have Sarah Orne Jewett, but then even now there's a litany of um, authors. I carry John Klossner, <laughs> and then I also have um, <laughs> Jeff Deck, who lives mm. on Academy Street. He has yeah. a number of titles. He he's also writing under a woman's pen name, is which he? I think is hysterical. That's great. That's great. And then um, I'm a big fan of his grammar book. Right when he went cross country, cross country correcting grammar on public signs. But he's he's another one who has said, "Hey, look, I want to be a writer. Yeah, I'm going to write." Yeah, and he is doing the work. He, I know, at times supplements his income and takes up odd jobs. Yeah, and um, but he's just he's making it happen. He does a ton of ghost writing. He writes under his own name. I got. I would. I haven't seen him in a while. I want to find out where he's writing these days because I used to hang out at a coffee shop in Dover that he was there every morning writing. So 
Oh, really? Yeah. And the coffee shop is closed, so I'm wondering where he's been. Were you at Adele's? Yeah, I was at Adele's. That is cool. He, um, I know he has a full-time job in addition to his writing. Oh, he does. Okay. I know he edits. Like, he hires out to edit people's books, too. Like, if you if you wrote a book, you need an editor, he'll hire. Yeah, them. he's done that. And then he just ghost-wrote a book about a, yeah, he's a dad that um, loved to golf and um, mm-hmm. had some struggles. And I know that that book's done really well. Oh, good. good. And then... Um, he works really hard. He did. Yeah. And um, we talked about there's some musicians in town that have yeah. played in Madison Madison Square Garden and just yeah accompanied some like really huge names yeah well, in the business yeah there's yeah both young and old um, uh, you know you know Susie and David right did you see is it La La Luna no well, what? Uh, well that was her former band Isa their daughter Isa was in a, oh, gosh now now it's my turn. Uh, Luna something. Oh, it'll come to me. But I just now, saw it on Spotify. Yeah, but she's in. Um, she's on another. She's with another band right now. It's touring all over the world. So, and she was on Jimmy Kimmel uh, last month. What? Yeah. yeah. And those. So she went to school with my son. Okay. Did he go to uh, Berkeley? Oh, she went no, to high, high school. school. Okay. No, Aaron did not go to Berkeley. Okay. But, um, and then did I tell you Anna just re- released her first song? No, congratulations. So, um, so she's got to move back to South Philip. No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe eventually. But um, that kind of came out of the blue. She wrote a song, um, um, sings, plays the guitar. Yeah. Her friend that does is a classical musician, played That's the funny. fiddle. And, um, wow. Do you like the song? I, I very much do like the song. Yeah. It's, um, it's, isn't it neat when your kids do things that you never saw yourself doing or yeah. imagined yourself yes. reaching those heights? <laughs> um, and it like, you know, talking about doing what you love, even Aaron left a really secure job in Colorado. who's um, making really good money. He was in management at Noosa yogurt factory and he came home and now he's on his way to being a main guide. Wow. And doing wow. inland fishery tours, he just bought a boat, and he's got um, a connection that he's going to start this spring. I think for that generation, that's becoming even more important because it's harder to you either go to you know a totally corporate setting or you do a DIY thing. I I, I don't think there's any real middle ground anymore. Um, you know, if somebody's starting out in my world these days as a cartoonist there's so many people doing it that it's hard to make a living at. Um, so you do, what you, you know, the parts you love, you do books or you do, um, but you know, you've got to do something to make a living too. You don't think that was the case for you too, though. I think you're being modest. I feel like even when I was young, you know, people had dreams about being singers or, you know, mm-hmm. moving out to the West coast, but there were so many people at the auditions, whether it was for mm-hmm. acting yeah. or to be a comedian. Uh, yeah. Maybe I was oblivious to it. I was so, you know, blinders on. But I think that's why you were successful and able to do it. Justin McKinney. Have you heard his name? He's a yeah, comedian. Sure. Oh, yeah. He's been on Jay Leno, yeah. all of the big shows. He, yeah. I went to Trape Academy with him. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Well, and he was just. with him about a month ago. He's got a very interesting story. He well, the funny thing he was um, grew up part of the, and I didn't realize this till I went and saw one of his shows. But he was in New Hampshire for a while. Yeah, he was in Dover. 
and then yeah. um, went to Kittery and then, um, yeah, but in high school, you know, you're going to school with yeah. these kids and it's yeah. not, no one's walking around with a billboard saying, I'm going to be, there. <laughs> you know, they might be saying it, but whether you believe right. it or not. And then I guess for me, as this happens more and more with our children or children's mm-hmm. of friends and um, people we know, it's like, it's almost like, you know, what do you want to do? Yeah. Who do you want to be? Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. yeah. Is to. Yeah, freedom to look at that and say, okay. And like what you did, or it seems you did, you put those blinders on. Yeah. And this is what it's going to be. Well, and also I think, um, you know, in in the creative arts there, like I remember, you know, being in my twenties, being in Boston, and there were a lot of people who did what I did, you know, but they slowly dropped off (laughs) as as they became more mature and wanted to make a living. (laughs) Do you think it's that, or do you think that maybe they thought they wanted to do it? Like, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I, I, I don't, all I know is my experience. So I don't really, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, but I know, yeah. In the world of the twenty-somethings, it seems that there's there are plenty of people who are pursuing a creative life, mm-hmm. um, and can they still make it work now? So, what did you say to your kids? So, your kids are both. Is Ben in college he's or is he college, done? So he's, he's in college. Yeah. So, did you, when they're trying to decide where they want to go to school or what they want to do in their life, did you have like, did you sit down with them and say, "Look, you need to go into a field that you're going to be able to support yourself"? No, you no. know, I was fortunate. I feel very fortunate that our, my kids, I have a daughter and a son, um, were both very passionate. You know, Lane was into music. Um, she was big time into music yeah, and theater. Yeah, she was a vocal music major in college. Um, it didn't turn out to be a job, but um, she's, you know, she's still, she is definitely still following her passion in her, in her, in her work life. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Benjamin is really into boats and and the ocean and he's a marine uh a marine affairs uh, major in college so really yeah. so he so he's following his passion too so that's a gift i wonder i you know the question i have is whether because like my daughter used to get upset because she'd be like all the kids at school are talking about their parents going to work and my parents don't go to work <laughs> you guys you and amy you've always been around i've been at home and so um, I don't know if that, that rubbed off on them, but, you know, they saw two parents who were both kind of making their own schedules and making their own, you know, work, work lives as far as that goes. I don't know if they, if that played into their decisions or. Do you think um, Lane was trying to figure it out in her head why like, you know, 99% of the parents were going off I'm to a job sure. and why, sure. you know, like the outlier, yeah. her parents are the outlier. Yeah. Why yeah, are you exactly. guys home? Like, what's wrong? Like, well, she had friends in this area, you know, in South Berwick, whose parents were, you know, parents were musicians or parents were artists of some sort. So, I mean, there were, there were other examples, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, the vast majority of parents were waking up and going to work in the morning. <laughs> I think one of the things you said early on is that like you had to have a lot of side jobs. Yeah. And yeah. I can remember sitting in business school and my professor saying, look, you're, this is your plan. A you're going to start this business. Um, you're going to, you're going to think it's going to be the greatest business alive and you're going to give it all you have. He goes, but you need a plan B. Like you have to have a plan B. Yeah. And for me, that was always restaurant industry. 
So it's a love-hate relationship because while it's really hard work and Mm. it's horrible hours and you're working all the holidays, it was the one one thing that no matter where you lived or who you were, what you were doing, you could always pick up serving or bartending shifts and like just make cash, like just make a lot of cash to like in the moment to whatever your needs were at the time. One of my early jobs was uh, working at a hotel in Boston and you always had a pocket full of cash. What were you doing in the hotel? I was a bellman. You, John, you would yeah. be the funniest bellman. No, I was terrible at it, but um, but I also drove a, a van, a, a, a visitor's van around Boston, and uh, and I worked the door occasionally. But everybody was handing you money because it was one of the higher end hotels in Boston. Can you say which one it yeah, was? It was a semester, right from the science museum. <laughs> Wait, there. do you know? Do you know who Steve Carell is? Steve Carell, the comedian. Oh yeah, that's like when I think of personalities, that's who I always think of you. Because I can like, I'm honored. (laughs) You're just you have that like dry personality, like appears to be dry, but then you come out with these little, these little funny, quiet sidelines, and like I can just picture you holding the door for someone, and they say something, and you're like, put it on my dab, like (laughs) Steve Carell, or like something under your breath. (laughs) Well, or, right, are you constantly studying, like comedians, stand-up comedians especially, mm-hmm. are constantly studying their environments, everyday well, living yeah. to yeah. see, you know, where the best humor is coming from, something sure. that people can identify with. Yeah. Is that is that what you do for your comics? Oh, I mean, you listen a lot. I mean, I find I listen a lot. And I've heard other people say the same thing. You hear people say words that just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. What if I gave it a different picture? Yeah. So what's, can you talk about one you're working on right now or that you just okay. finished? No, one, and this is the digestive process for me. Right now, you know, there's a big thing about censorship going on, books being banned again. And, and okay, at what point does sense, do censorship and, edit, and editing hit? You know, <laughs> there, there's got to be a humorous point there somewhere, but I haven't found it yet. But, you know, yeah, I mean, that you know, are we book burning or are we editing? You know that. That's right. Sort of so, thing. is that do you have the cartoon in mind that what no, you're going to pull from no, that? I've just been. I've got like four pages of sketches, um, but I haven't got anything. So you come that. up with a theme, yeah, and yeah. it's a hot topic, hopefully, generally, yeah. or something that kind of like is a little bit of a dig yeah. in society. Right. Right. Like so, you know, a lot of the other thing that's happening right now is a lot of discussion on cancer cancer no it's mm. not what i wanted to say okay. <laughs> oh my god okay. no okay. not cancer cancel, cancel culture, culture. <laughs> well cancel culture is a cancer it is a well is it a cancer no, like some people I'm feed sure, on it yeah. though right like some people want to cancel everybody yeah yeah and then yeah i i i'm i'm personally a fan of total openness so um you know, I, I don't think somebody should be shut down. What about with Trump on Twitter? Oh, God. <laughs> this is... I don't know. Right? I, like I, that, I, is uh, it editing or yeah, is it yeah, like right. banning? I know. I know. Um, Do you know I was listening oh. to an interview with um, Elon Musk and someone asked him about Twitter and making free speech a thing again, yeah. right? And so he, you know... So the premise is that he bought Twitter 
well, this is plan A probably. He, I'm sure he has other plans oh, for sure. Twitter. But like he brought plan A, um, his plan A is to buy Twitter to bring back that public forum. Yeah. So to get all of the information back into the center ring. Yeah. And um, so remember he was going through the list and he was letting people back in yeah. that had been yeah, kicked right. out. People had been banned, yeah. But then, but ultimately he then banned some people, right? Like, so right. Right. whoever it is, like someone's got to pull the switch. Yeah. So it's, right. I feel Who like it's all or nothing. Everything should be totally open or everything should be totally closed. Well, how, how else do you draw that line, yeah, that line no, that you're I'm, talking about? Like, yeah. yeah. So if you're, if you're going to say, okay, we're going to shut this person down because of hate speech. And then, which, you know, at certain points I'm like, yeah, good job. You know, like you're happy they yeah. did it. But then where does that, where does that switch yeah. end? Like my questions are, 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 are people in the, in the future, like a hundred years from now, are people going to look back upon the freedom we had in social media and say, Oh my God, what were they doing? You know, I wonder, I'm wondering if at some point Twitter will get, totally not shut down but changed if um you know all the social medias we use right now you know facebook and and instagram and and tiktok if they'll all you know people look back upon them go oh my god they were out of control with those things well it was almost like so one thing that elon did say and i'm not saying i'm a fan or not a fan but he did say that he thought that Social media should conform to the society it is a part of. So Twitter in the United States should be and is very different than Twitter in China. And somehow it should follow the mores or... The the, mores of what? Of the culture, culture? of each individual culture. So China should be able to put um, limitations on Twitter because there'll be naturally more limitations on China's plat on Twitter's platform in China than there are in the United because States. Because the government's more authoritarian. That's who they, yeah, that's, that's yeah. their culture. Huh. I'm not saying that's right yeah, or wrong, but that's, huh? Well then, but then somebody's going to move out of China and come to the U S and then send messages back to Chinese. Twitter. How do you, right? Like how <laughs> and, do you regulate that? Are, or are there filters? Yeah. Do you maintain borders? Oh, I'm sure. They're, Physical you know, borders. Yeah. So the, um, you know, we're almost getting to that point, but one of the things that I thought of when you were saying, or when we look back, right. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was saying that, you know, we look at, back at Coca-Cola when it was first being manufactured, it was being manufactured with cocaine. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Like everyone was getting right. a natural high off, off of drinking Coke. Right. And right. now we're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, in a hundred years, are we going to look back and say, oh my God, there was sugar. There was processed yeah, sugar right. in everything. Right. How much of our, of our culture is going to look, how are we going to look in the rearview mirror a hundred years from now? Do you think... Um, Last question. Do you think, what about artificial in, intelligence, AI? Like it's already starting. It's all over the place. Yeah. The main problem there is, um, will, will you be able to tell misinformation, the truth from, from BS? You know, if, I mean, cause once I was hearing somebody talk about this this morning on the radio is um, if you've, if there's misinformation out there, if you say, the sun rises in the West, 
and it gets into one of the algorithms, then it's spread around. Then it becomes, you know, so how, how are you going to know where that exists? How are you going to know what is, it might be come to a point that we all just say, I can't believe anything I hear. I feel like we're there. Yeah. Um, but like, and as far as creativity, they have um, bots right now that are able to replicate individuals voices specifically yeah. like singers yeah. or politicians and they're they're creating new new um conversations or yeah. songs yeah. and it's like right like there's supposedly one going around right now um barack obama where they've got him saying things that he never said because they can take snippets of things he has said and get his mouth positions correct and yeah i've seen a bunch of those they're scary they're very scary yeah and it's the original art. Does that cease to exist? No, because I think there will always be voices. You know, so I'm, you know, do you, you know, now you can get a, a reprint of something. You know, you can get a, a you know, Mona Lisa a Monet or a Mona Lisa. <laughs> you know, so that and what's the difference between that and AI? You know, other than how doesn't this all come down to? Um, you know, how do we tell the truth from the lies? I mean, which we've been, you know, which has been something that we've been struggling with for centuries anyways. So millennia. Just, I feel just, like millennia, higher, right? Yeah, it's just a higher level now. Think back in Boston. I always think about the Adams cousins, like Sam Adams and like, yes, right, right. John yeah. Adams. And yeah. like, they're down in, in Boston when it was a village and they're right. all like shouting what they want to. Right, right what they want to be heard and it's like newspapers were were just full of whatever the the individual publisher wanted to say you know so it's not really a different story yeah yeah we just um i don't know i think have we become our parents (laughs) (laughs) in my day in my day in what way (laughs) I i don't know i think you know like i just remember growing up and you know older people saying that my generation was lazy and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. ruining everything. I, I go a different direction with that. I'm like, would you want to be 20 years old now? No, I don't know. <laughs> right. I would, yeah, I would Did you want to be 20 when you were 20? No. No. What's 29? <laughs> is 29 is that magic yeah, number for you? I don't you? know why, but that was always, I wanted to be 29. So we're going to wrap this up. Okay. What do you see for yourself in the future? <laughs> when you're not 29 yes, are you I are you in south berwick to the end i don't know i don't know i mean i can i can't you know gauge what tomorrow you know what i'll be tomorrow but um i mean i'm happy here now it's, happy uh, here now I'm happy here now uh, I, I enjoy my neighbors very much Aww. um you know, it, it, it's working so you know on one of your visits to the store you said something to me and I kind of have it tucked away and I kind of keep it as um, a little bit of a thread of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to leave the Please listeners with it. With <laughs> and you're, you're talking about your home because um, you had just had it painted. <laughs> Many people were very happy for that, for that change. <laughs> but I'll never forget what you said to me. And I think that it's something I kind of kept my eye on. And you said, you know, I'd like to think that in the end, I've left things better than I found them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I can look and I that. think that's wise. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a it's great, a it's, it's a, a great John Klosner. <laughs> I'm sure I stole it from somebody. Um, thank you for thank for you, coming Jim. over. Thanks.
It's been fun, and I'm sure we'll see you soon. <laughs> Sooner. <laughs> Sooner. Thank you. Thanks.